Hello and welcome back to Clearing Out the Shelf, a podcast where I share and analyze the poetry that has been collecting dust on my shelf for months. My name is Preston, and in this episode, we'll be examining some beautiful poetry written by the incredibly talented modern poet, Ocean Vuong. Vuong is a 34-year-old Vietnamese-American poet who has gained several awards for his works, including a T.S. Eliot Prize, Winning Award, and Ruth Lily Sargent Rosenberg Fellowship from the Poetry Foundation. He and his family migrated to the United States when he was around two years old, and he learned how to read and write around the age of 11, being the first in his family to do so. He is currently working at New York University's Faculty of Arts and Science as Professor of Creative Writing. Vuong's published works include Burnings, No, Night Sky with Exit Wounds, On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous, and Time as a Mother. I was first introduced to Ocean Vuong a year or two ago by a friend of mine. While I haven't yet had the pleasure to explore all of his writings, I found Vuong's works to be mesmerizing. His works encompass how I want to write as a poet, personal, sophisticated, and riddled with beautiful vocabulary and layers of meaning. I'm truly lucky to be living in a world where I'm able to experience his work and be around if and when he decides to publish anything more. With that, we'll begin the poetry reading. Today, I'll be reading the poem Because It's Summer from Vuong's book, Night Sky with Exit Wounds. You ride your bike to the park, bruised with 9 p.m. The maples draped with plastic bags, shredded from days, the cornfield freshly raised, and you've lied about where you're going. You're supposed to be out with a woman you can't find a name for, but he's waiting in the baseball field behind the dugout, flecked with Newports, torn condoms. He's waiting with sticky palms and mint on his breath, a cheap haircut, and his sister's Levi's. Stench of piss rising from wet grass, it's June after all, and you're young until September. He looks different from his picture, but it doesn't matter because you kissed your mother on the cheek before coming this far, because the fly's dark slit is enough to speak, through the sipper a thin scream where you plant your mouth to hear the sound of birds hitting water, snap of elastic waistband, forehands quickening into dozens. A swarm of want you wear like a bridal veil, but you don't deserve it. The boy in his loneliness. The boy who finds you beautiful only because you're not a mirror, because you don't have enough faces to abandon. You've come this far to be no one, and it's June until morning. You're young until a pop song plays in a dead kid's room, water spilling in from every corner of summer, and you want to tell him it's okay that the night is also a grave we climb out of, but he's already fixing his collar. The cornfield of the cruelty steaming with manure. You smear your neck with lipstick. You dress with shaky hands. You say thank you, thank you, thank you because you haven't learned the purpose of forgive me, because that's what you say when a stranger slips out of summer and offers you another hour to live. Because It's Summer is a poem detailing all of the dangers and risks that come with being in a relationship, but more so as this idea pertains to a queer person's journey in navigating sexual and romantic relationships in addition to loving and accepting themselves. This poem was published as one very large stanza, However, for the sake of clarity, I'll be analyzing the poem in a few sections opposed to rambling about the entire thing in one breath. I'll begin with a section that starts with, You ride your bike to the park bruised with 9pm, and ends with a cheap haircut and his sister's Levi's. This section introduces the setting of the poem in the baseball field behind the dugout, the second primary character of the poem, the man that the speaker will eventually have intercourse with, and the overarching tones of the poem, weariness, desperation, and, in a way, destruction. Here, I see a sense of weariness coming from the speaker's description of the man. He's waiting in the baseball field behind the dugout, flecked with Newport's torn condoms. He's waiting with sticky palms and mint on his breath, a cheap haircut, and his sister's Levi's. 
Besides the fact that the location isn't necessarily safe, the speaker starts to paint the man as someone who's sketchy in a way. I feel like this especially comes through with the phrase, he's waiting with sticky palms, as this shows a strange eagerness towards the speaker per their arrangement. The theme of desperation also shines through the previous phrase, and you can also be seen in the line, you've lied about where you're going, you're supposed to be out with a woman you can't find a name for. The speaker has put their physical safety and familial reputation behind to pursue a man and seek out a place where they will be able to wholly be themselves without having to worry about judgment. The second section of the poem starts with stench of piss rising from wet grass and ends with you've come this far to be no one and it's June until morning. Here, we're reintroduced to the fact that the situation is sketchy, namely via the statements stench of piss rising from wet grass and he looks different from his picture. While we already understood that the meeting place wasn't in the best location, we're now told that the man lied to the speaker regarding his appearance. However, the speaker follows this information up with, but it doesn't matter because you kissed your mother on the cheek before coming this far. The speaker is willing to give up their safety to pursue this man they met presumably online, both because they need a space to be who they are without judgment and, even if something were to happen, they've already said goodbye to their mother. I feel that this shows that the speaker has already said their last goodbye if it was needed to be said. In addition to this, the speaker said goodbye to their mother while she was under the assumption that they were going on a date with a woman. Because she likely disapproves of queer relationships, this means that the speaker's mother, in the chance that things went awry, would have still upheld the positive image of her child after their goodbye. Then the lines from Because the Fly's Dark Slit to But You Don't Deserve It shows the pace of intercourse with this man and how daunting, beautiful, and otherworldly it is. From the zipper's thin scream to hearing the sound of birds hitting water compared to a snap of elastic waistband to four hands quickening into dozens, a swarm of what you wear like a bridal veil but you don't deserve it. It's fast, it's heavy, it's the rush of a new and exciting experience that has had to have been locked away for fear of rejection or dishonorship or shame. Even though they want to savor this moment, they state a swarm of what you wear like a bridal veil but you don't deserve it, showing that even though this an extremely significant event in the speaker's life, they can't relish in it because they don't feel like they're worthy enough for love. Finally, the lines from The Boy and His Loneliness to It's June Until Morning displays a multitude of themes. First, we're told that the boy very likely only finds the speaker beautiful because they're acting as company for him and likely because they're assumed virginity and lack of being able to find others who love and or identify similarly to them. Hence the line, you don't have enough faces to abandon. The final line of this section, it's June until morning, shows that the speaker has to use this stretch of time to be free and have the period of growth, beauty, discovery that they have lacked before going back to being somebody they aren't. The final section of this poem starts with, you're young until a pop song plays in a dead kid's room and ends with, when a stranger steps out of summer and offers you another hour to live. Here the speaker reflects on their younger self seeing that they've been drowning underneath a quilt of normalcy, whilst trying to live out previous summers cooped up due to not being able to express their identity. The line, The night is also a grave we climb out of, shows that darkness is a veil for escaping their everyday life and to allow themselves to be who they generally are without the fear of being judged or caught. One is expected to lay down after the day, condemned to facing their own thoughts. However, when needed, we're allowed to rise out of our tombs of thought and wasting to find solace in living. Yet this is followed by, but he's already fixing his collar, showing that his younger self hasn't yet learned to go against what's expected of him and continues to put on a facade. The lines, you smear your neck to another hour to live, wrap up the poem and convey the following. 
Even though the speaker entered a perceivably risky situation when meeting with this man, they were able to feel an unequivocal amount of bliss from meeting with him and having intercourse with a man for the first time. They haven't yet learned how to say, forgive me, opposed to thank you, because this was the first and only time that someone offered them another hour to live in the form of passion and self. And there we have it. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Clearing Out the Shelf. Next episode, we'll be discussing a couple of poems from the writer Savannah Brown, who is one of my absolute favorite modern poets. Until then, happy reading.